This week on The Peas, Kylo Ren and the Amazing Spider-Man go back to Japan to help people find Jesus. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another episode of Two Peas on a Podcast, where we review the latest and sometimes greatest movies every week. Gerald here with you, and of course on the other side, the other Jesuit priest that is coming along for this duo this evening. Nick, how are you, my man? Hi. (laughs) Hello, hello. (laughs) Gerald, what did I do to us? Ah, man, this was a this was my deep, fault. Deep film. This was uh, my fault, Gerald. This was my fault. Uh, fault's one way to put it. Uh, it was a movie that was a blind spot for both of us. But Nick, uh, it landed on Nick last week when we spun the wheel, and he chose Silence from 2016, the Martin Scorsese film starring Andrew Garfield and Adam Driver, Liam Neeson, and others. And we're going to be talking about that tonight. We're going to do that for our roulette review this evening. And then we'll get back out to the theater for next week's review of Dumb Money. But before we do that, Nick, we start every episode with one big question, buddy. You've got to ask yourself a question. I have a lot of questions. Number one, how dare you? Mm-hmm. How, how dare, dare you, you indeed? pick silence for this week? <laughs> All right, man, I got a question for you that I kind of thought of that's vaguely, vaguely attached to the movie. It's not really directly related to the film in any way, but it just kind of made me think of this question. It's a question that I've asked people in the past, and I've never asked you. So I'm curious what your answer will be. But my one big question for you this week, Nick, is if you could travel back with a close friend of yours, just you and your best friend, one of your good buddies, or whoever you wanted to take with you on this journey, what time period or what era would you like to travel back to and explore? I don't know. Probably, probably pre, pre, pre people. I don't even know. I don't even know. Oh, like, wow. Like, I, yeah, I don't, I don't even know. And it, I think it would just be kind of unique to just like observe. I think it would be really interesting to go back to like certain periods in history and like observe if that, uh, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. Yeah, sure. So, so you're talking about like zero or what are you talking about? <laughs> I, I, I'm just trying to. I'm just trying to think. Like, there'd be think about like how many different things like have happened in like the history of the world. Yeah, that you know we have never witnessed and could never witness. We can only ever theorize about like those things. You know, like if the caveat is like I can do it like regard like no matter what like or whatever, and just like kind of be there to like witness like different things. Like you yeah. know, it'd be super cool to go see like a dinosaur or something. It'd be super sure. cool to see like you know like the formation of life in different eras and different evolutions and things like that. Then I'd probably get eaten by like a you know giant fish with crocodile <laughs> arm teeth or something. I don't even know. I'd sure. for sure die wherever I go. I'm for sure dead. Like I'm not escaping there. So whoever's coming with me, welcome to your death sentence. Gerald, I'm bringing you. <laughs> yeah, sounds like I'm going with you. Well, for this question, my answers really never change. It's always the 1960s, kind of that era in America specifically, where everything was kind of changing with the civil rights movement and just the world changed. And then you had a lot of stuff in pop culture that I would have just given anything to see in person with like the Beatles and Elvis and 
you know, I mean, different like movies that I love that came out in the six, 60s, like the Hitchcock era. And I don't know, I just have always, and when I was a history buff, and I still am, but when I was a history buff in high school and college and stuff, I was always like just fascinated with like a lot of stuff that happened like post World War II up until like Vietnam and the 1960s was just like a, just a hotbed of so much important historical things in this country. So I don't know if I could just go back and just witness different pieces of the sixties. I'm into it, man. I'd be down with it. So that'd be my answer. You be, be real. You want to go back to the sixties and then you just want to like wink at people when they talk about like anything that's like still pop culturally relevant. And you'd be like, Oh man, that's (laughs) going to be like the biggest thing ever. You just you just yeah. want to argue with people, and and they'd be like, "No, man, this is like a flash in the pan," and they and, and you'll be like, "No, no, man, no, trust, <laughs> trust me. me, this is trust a me. big song on Spotify fifty years from now." I yeah. know, I know. <laughs> yeah, that's what you'd be doing. You'd be like, "Oh man, I you I listen to this all the time on iTunes," and they'd be like, "What?" <laughs> That'd be you. iTunes. That for you sure out be you. Wow, I didn't expect an iTunes drop tonight. I like that. <laughs> all right, what's your one big question for me, man? Well, mine's a little bit uh, simpler than that. So Andrew Garfield, I was reading after I watched this movie, I was reading that Andrew Garfield uh, abstained, mm-hmm. Gerald, abstained for a period of time to prepare for his role as a Jesuit priest in this movie. Yeah. Is there any? Is there? Is there a film role that you would take where you would undertake that abstention? Like what, what what would what would it have to be in order to get you to commit to a, an abstention? Well, it could be a documentary about my life. <laughs> you know, fucking, you know, art imitating life, life imitating art. Uh, yeah, I would do it, man. I mean, Garfield is a dedicated actor. I mean, we know that. I mean, we know it's true. his roles. It's true. I mean, we talked about last week how he just gives us all every role he's in, regardless of the script or whatever. So I, yeah, I gotta say yes, because I mean, I'm not an actor, but if I was and I was dedicated to the craft, like somebody like Garfield, sure, man, I don't, I don't need it. I'm good. I'll just, uh, you know, look at my Sears lingerie catalog from the eighties and, uh, make things happen. I'll be fine. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know if that's better or worse for for those purposes. I don't, Mm, mm. You hit me with know. it though. You hit me with the abstinence question. Wow, I didn't expect that. All right, I had to. I had to. I was like, I was trying to think of like, because I mean, there's a lot of, and I guess we'll talk about it when we get into the movie proper. Like, yeah. there's just, I mean, there's too many kind of big, weighty, like existential kind of questions you could ask, like generated off of a movie like this. And I feel like I've done that. So I feel like instead, I'd be like, Gerald, could you be down to not get laid for a while to prepare <laughs> for this film role? Right. And or any role, whatever it is, no matter what it is, and and uh, you know, I, well, it's heavy. It's heavy. Yeah, for sure. And the movie brings out those, elicits those types of questions. So I get it. Yeah. Yep, All yep. right. So we're going to be discussing 2016's Silence tonight in the Roulette Retro Review this week, chosen Ooh. by Nick himself. All right. So we spun the wheel. If you're a patron of the show, you get to pitch a movie into the hat for us to draw when we spin the wheel. This time around, it landed on Nick, like I said, and he chose Silence for us, uh, directed by Martin Scorsese. And before we get into it, before we start talking and breaking down the movie, Nick, we always give our score out of 10 up front. We have not discussed this with each other in advance. This is our individual scores out of 10 after seeing the movie. Damn it, this always happens. I think I'm going to score, and then I never score. It's not fair. 
All right. It's I'm not, interested it's to just, see. It's not fair. See, that that would be you with the abstention. You'd be like eventually going on like a tirade. Be like, <laughs> I played this movie role years ago, and it's still, this uh, hasn't happened uh, for me. And uh, still, yeah. Why is this still happening? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just, the, just the sadness that you would experience. I am interested to see how this one hit with you, and uh, we'll get to talk about it. But first, let's give our score. Nick, here we go. Count, count us in, man. No, I refuse. Zero, mm-hmm. two, five, nine, mm-hmm. 18, 44, 5 out of 10. 8 out of 10 for me. 8 out of 10. And I cannot man, do that math. 8 out of 10 for me, 5 that's out of 10 a, from Nick. That's a 13, Gerald. So divide right. that in half. Uh, six and a half. Is that right? It's it, my <laughs> so, so, my so, favorite so, part of the show every single week is your absolute half. struggle to complete second grade <laughs> mathematics every there every we single go. week. It's a six and a half from the piece cumulatively. Eight from me, five from Nick. All right, I'll start. So okay. Martin Scorsese, one of the greatest filmmakers of all time, definitely one of the greatest living filmmakers has a resume to weep at when you look at it. Just some all-time classics. This movie, for some reason, was a blind spot for me, and I look back at his filmography, and this is the only one that I had never seen at one point or another. So I have now seen his whole filmography, I'm happy to say. Mm, okay. So I appreciate you recommending it for that reason. I love this movie for a lot of different reasons, which we'll get into with the spoilery talk, most likely, but just generally speaking up front, I like how it was extremely different from anything in Scorsese's catalog. It was very, it felt very personal and intimate from a filmmaking perspective. Like I felt like this was a story that he must have really connected to. I had read that he bought the rights to it like in 1996 or something like that. And it was he in made the it. 80s. Oh, it was in the 80s. It was in the even. 80s, I think. Yeah. This one's, this one's been gestating for a long time. So something that was obviously really important to him, but I just love how different it was and it was very subdued and poignant. There were a couple of scenes that were kind of violent, if you will, that kind of spoke to a little bit more of Scorsese's kind of repertoire. Yep. But for the most part, no pun intended, this is a pretty silent movie. Like it's pretty quiet. It's pretty subdued. And you have to connect to really Garfield's character for the most part. I mean, if you're not connected to him, Rodriguez, then it's going to be tough to kind of get through this journey. But I was, I freaking loved his performance. I remember watching this on several different occasions thinking, I can't believe he didn't get nominated for this. It came on the heels of Hacksaw Ridge, which he also got nominated for. So, but I was just surprised. It was such a good performance. It only got one Oscar nomination for best cinematography, which I mean, obviously it was beautifully shot film. So I love him. I love Driver. You know, I thought Liam Neeson was great in this. But Garfield is really what carried this for me. And that kind of uh, different eye from Scorsese that I had never seen before. Just kind of a different vision. It was almost like he didn't even direct it. It was so different from a lot of the other stuff that he's done or that I'm used to. And I really like when directors do that. I really like when you watch a movie and if nobody told you, you wouldn't know. You know what I mean? Like you, like imagine if Tarantino did a movie like like you would have never known that this was a Tarantino film watching it without knowing that ahead of time. And I feel the same way about Scorsese in this respect. We got Killers of the Flower Moon coming out. I'm not sure what to expect with that, but I don't know if that's going to be more silence or if that's going to be more, you know, Departed Goodfellas. I'm not sure, but 
I love this kind of one-off in Scorsese's catalog here. You were not obviously as big of a fan of it. So what do you have to say spoiler-free about Silence at the top here? We can only hope that uh, Flowers of the Killer Moon is not as bad as Goodfellas. I mean, I'm really, really hoping for that. Uh, this isn't that bad either. This is probably, so I'll, I will say that this is probably the the best made bad movie I may ever review on this show. Mm, uh, it is phenomenally well made. It's phenomenally well directed. It's meticulously directed. It's like you said, Scorsese very much uh, obviously had a very personal connection to this material and really wanted to... Uh, you know, shoot it in a certain way. Cinematography is gorgeous. The performances are incredible across the board, like absolutely, absolutely full stop. I just, I can't invest in, in, in it's, it's just, it's just, it's just, you ever watch that kind that movie and maybe you respect the mm-hmm. craftsmanship of it. Maybe you respect all of the really, really great things about it. And I'll talk at length during this review about all of the wonderful things, all the good things in this movie but I am not – I was raised Catholic, okay? Little 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 context for me. I was raised Catholic, and uh, as a result of being raised Catholic, uh, I am not like a practicing Christian at all. Mm-hmm. Like I just – I'm just not. And this material does not connect to me in any way whatsoever, like, like legitimately, like I, 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 I've got my, I've got some, some major gripes with a couple of different points in the film, but I mean, I'm just, I'm not on board with the journey that Rodriguez and Garupe go on in the film, like to begin with, like being Catholic missionaries or Christian missionaries or whatever, going to Japan to find their, find their mentor or whatever. I, I cannot connect to or resonate with this material on any fundamental level. And so like my score is a five because for people like me, I do not recommend this movie from a craftsmanship standpoint. You're going to enjoy those aspects of it, but you're not going to get anything out of it. At the end of the day, you're going to be like, that was two hours and 40 minutes. I spent watching that thing. Uh, but if, if you're somebody who can connect to some kind of material like this, and if, you know, maybe this movie will connect into your own faith and, you know, kind of take you on that journey with it or whatever, I feel like maybe you'd get a lot more out of it than, than somebody like me. So we're going to go ahead and peel back the spoiler wall because I want to kind of touch on what you talked about there, but that'll kind of lead us into talking about whatever, wherever you want to go when we're talking about silence here. So going forward, guys, if you have not seen silence from 2016, come back after you've seen it or skip ahead to the next segment on the episode. So to kind of piggyback on what you were saying there, Nick, I am not religious at all at this stage in my life. Um, I would say to give people a little background, kind of like what you did. My grandmother was a devout Catholic. I mean, she was borderline second cousin to the Pope. I mean, she was like, you know, just (laughs) full blown. And I grew up Catholic as a kid. Uh, but when I got into college, and particularly like the last you know fifteen years or so, mm-hmm. I've just kind of quote unquote lost my way in terms of religion, and I just I'm not necessarily an atheist. My wife is, but I'm not. I mean, I feel like there's something out there. I just, I mean, who? I mean, who knows? I don't know. Mm-hmm. So I didn't connect to this material either uh, on a personal level. I didn't connect with it like. I get what these guys are doing and I appreciate the, the missionary work and I want people to find Jesus. Like I didn't come at it from that perspective, but looking at it as just a movie, I did connect with it 
through Rodriguez's eyes for me personally. Like I really felt his kind of pain and his desire to accomplish this goal and to be steadfast in his beliefs because you could really fill in the blank there with anything. It doesn't necessarily have to be Christianity or even religion. I mean, anything that you're, you know, serious about or a goal that you're trying to reach in your life or somebody you're trying to convince of something or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. So because of Garfield's performance, like I'll just tell you real quick and then I'll, I'll flip it back over to you. But like the first, and this is a long movie too, by the way, that's one of my points off for this really. I didn't feel like this needed to be two forty. <laughs> like this, uh, you know, we could have gotten there a lot quicker. You know what I mean? But the first like hour or so of this movie, I was kind of like, I almost texted you like, I hate you. <laughs> like, what the fuck is this? You know what I mean? But something happened. And I watched this late at night on like Tuesday night or something. On, on I rented it on Amazon Prime. And I was by myself in my living room. And something happened after that kind of halfway mark where Garfield was, uh, Rodriguez was kind of like on the run almost. Like he was in hiding and uh, they were about to get him. And then they did capture him and he was prisoner and, all those scenes in the jail that we got in the last half of the movie. Like I just was so invested in, was this guy going to, to get away? Was he going to escape? Was he going to convince these people of his beliefs? Like, I don't know. I just, I had to know. And I really feel like it was because of Garfield's performance and Marty's direction. I mean, I really do because the first half of the movie I was checked out Mm -hmm. and then just something happened where I just had to know where it went. And I became so attached to particularly Rodriguez and his journey. And then some of the things that Marty showed us on screen, some of the imagery uh, and some of the scenes that really spoke to me, I loved too. And we already mentioned the cinematography was top tier. So yeah, I don't know, man. I mean, I'm with you as far as not connecting with it on a religious aspect, but I really was a believer of what they were going through in the movie. They really convince me as an audience member. Yeah, and I don't know if sense. it's my if it's my disconnect from faith uh, that kind of kept me from really investing in that. But I mean, a, a, a lot of the movie is, you know, this kind of like simultaneously they're searching for uh, Ferrera, Liam Neeson's character, mm-hmm. uh, while also kind of simultaneously connecting with this kind of underground Christianity in feudal Japan where there are you know christians are persecuted obviously and and whatnot and he seems like for me his character is so steadfast in his faith literally like the entire time and for me his character is so like devout in his faith like i don't know like for me and i mean to kind of get to like the climax of the film i mean right away like at this point but like for me i don't necessarily buy him like bowing i i don't i don't bow i don't buy him suddenly capitulating into like this life of serving the inquisitor and damning other christians like you know who are hiding like you know helping them investigate like all these different things and etc 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 i don't necessarily think i buy the transition from like him being the devout jesuit missionary into where he's under the the uh the inquisitor's boot if you will i don't think i don't think he ever lets go of his faith i think like the ending of the film is is pretty clear in that regard like he obviously still like 
holds his faith in that regard, but like I think he lived in torture from that point on. I think he really lived in uh you know, his religion and his beliefs are like within himself and he shared it with very few people for fear of obviously, you know, what would happen. Uh obviously I think his wife probably knew. She gave him the cross at the very, very end that he was holding yeah, in yeah, his tomb yeah. or whatever. So she probably knew. Um what was the young uh, Japanese guy that kept showing up and he uh, Kichijiro. Yeah, kept helping him throughout the movie, you know. Uh, maybe best he performance, knew. by the way, best performance, and nothing against Andrew Garfield because I loved his performance too, but best performance of the movie was uh, Yosuke Kubozuka, I think I'm yeah, pronouncing great. that incorrectly, but fantastic performance. Uh, I agree. Easily the best performance of the movie for me. Uh, it, not, it doesn't get nearly the screen time that Garfield does, but like you mentioned Garfield not getting nominated for like a best actor trophy for this, but mm-hmm. like where's where's uh, Kubozuka's nomination for a supporting because definitely deserved. Absolutely I could, I, deserved. I could get on that board or absolutely get on that train with you for sure. I thought it was a tremendous performance and you know, he plays kind of that unsavory guy that, you know, cries wolf or whatever and you don't want to trust him and then comes around to be a sympathetic character by the end and uh, yeah, just a great performance all around. You're right. But what I was saying is, you know, I see it as Garfield kind of like succumbing to the odds that were against him to save the other believers in, you know, in that city or in that area, because he just kind of had to fold. And also one thing that got me to Nick was like how I, f- I felt how much it must have hurt Rodriguez to do that, you know, to step on the face of Jesus and to basically renounce his his whole life, essentially, and what he's been, you know, missioning for and what he's been believing in. And literally his whole heart and his whole life has been, you know, promoting the, the gospel of Jesus. And he had to basically renounce it in an effort to not continue to have these other believers, you know, perish or even worse, just continue to be tortured because of what he believed. So he made that sacrifice much like people in that faith believe Jesus did those type of sacrifices as well to save others. And one of the most powerful lines in the whole movie that really got me, man, was when you know he was in jail and uh, the other Christians were like in the pit being tortured. And Liam Neeson comes to him, he's like, look, dude, like, you can't win this. I mean, I'm paraphrasing, but he's like, you can't win this. Like, you know, you can stay here and you can pray, but if you're going to do that, pray with your eyes open. And that was one of the lines that really fucking got me because it cuts to him praying with his eyes open and seeing all these people that were following him being tortured because he won't step on the face of Jesus, you know, and renounce it. So the next morning he ends up doing that. And, I don't know, man. I just really, like I said, I feel like if you're invested in Rodriguez's story and you kind of believe that he believes, then this will go a lot easy, a lot better for you in terms of your pleasure of it. And you know, it's a heavy film. It's a deep film. It's probably, it's probably Scorsese's most personal film. It's way too long. It's easily a half hour too long. I think we'll probably both agree on that. Um, but I, I liked it a lot more than I thought I would after the fir- after the way the first hour was going. I mean, yes. <laughs> Funny enough, you say it's a half an hour too saying? long. You say it's a half an hour too long, but I was reading there was another adaptation of this book made back in the 70s that yeah. is a half an hour shorter than Scorsese's version. 
Oh wow, that's 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 what I read anyway. Because I just I just did some like you know some trivia reading about the about the movie and stuff like that after I watched it. And yeah, I, I remember read this I remember reading adaptation. that. So I was I just thought it was really funny that you specifically mentioned like this needs to be thirty minutes shorter. I'm like, well, gee, have I got the movie for you, bud? Wow. <laughs> yeah, like I'm and 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 you know what I I, I see I see your perspective there and. You know, maybe maybe the film just doesn't doesn't do enough for me to really get him there. And and maybe it was because like it just didn't really I don't know, like maybe maybe I wanted to see him go through more of a more of a journey before he really got to that point where he where he bends the knee. Like, yes, he's doing it to end the suffering of the other people. But I don't I don't know. I felt like the character was still a little bit too. Like maybe I don't know. Is this is this like a weirdly evil of me to be like maybe the character hadn't suffered enough, like hadn't gone on enough of a journey for yeah. me to get to that conclusion at that point? Like I don't necessarily. I I don't know. Like I mean, it's you know, funny. Yeah, it's funny that it's two forty, and we're kind of. I'm kind of saying it should be shorter, but I guess you're right. I mean, because it does kind of speed along a lot of those weeks and months that they were you know, hiding and they were underground and they were, you know what I mean? So it does seem well, and I a lot. I would have liked to, like, I, f- I felt like there's a, there's a scene in the movie, like he's with Garupe, who's Adam Driver's character. It's the mm-hmm. two of them together hiding in this village for a time. And, you know, they're, uh, you know, going to all these different places and, you know, meeting all these different, you know, Christians who are in hiding because they're being persecuted and things like that. And, you know, then it becomes dangerous for them. Um, Ichizo gets captured. That's like the leader of the village that they were staying at or whatever. And like they like a bunch of them get like tortured, like hung on crosses out in waves and stuff like that. Man, people are brutal, nasty. Yo. Uh, so it, like all that stuff like was really, really good. And then like they say, that, like, OK, we're separating out Garupe and Rodriguez. And they're going to go their separate ways. And I just, I, I expected, or I at least hoped, or maybe maybe thought the movie could have explored a little bit more. And we can touch on more. I don't think the movie needed to be longer. I think the length of the movie could have worked fine in its favor if you restructure parts of it or whatever. And I'm I'm not Scorsese, believe me. I'm not, I'm not you know, going to mm-hmm. say I know better than the goat here. But, you know, I felt like once they separated the two of them, they kind of smash banged right into him getting captured, like right into uh, Kichijiro betraying him. And like him getting him getting captured, like I don't I don't know, and maybe there's like a mirror, maybe there's like a parallel to like Jesus and Judas and sure. that whole thing there. I'm sure that there's like those religious parallels and stuff like that that they're trying to draw in there as well. But I don't know, like that to me seemed like pretty quick, and you know I don't I don't know. I would have just liked to see more of that development of his character, like going through that journey. But even even to supplant that, like even even. Moving that aside, how do you feel about the epilogue of the movie? I guess we'll call it. It's a, it's kind of an extended epilogue, but it's like it's basically the epilogue of the movie. Once he renounces his faith, once he steps on the little, um, like little little carved uh, relief of Jesus or whatever, and renounces his faith and everything like that. How do you feel about the epilogue of the film? What plays out in the film from that point forward? Um. I mean, I was okay with it. Are you talking about with him and uh, Liam Neeson, like, uh, kind of working together? And uh, I don't know if it was the emperor necessarily, but 
I don't know what they called it back then, the Japanese government or whatever, to make sure there was no Christianity. And I think no it was Christian just always influences. meant to be like that Inquisitor guy was always like the like the, like in in like the leader of like the local area that they were in or whatever. I don't think, I think they ever really explored like the larger you know Japanese sure. government at the time. I but. think um I think the epilogue did a lot to kind of wrap things up, and it did it somewhat quickly, but it was like. It also gave us little caveats in there that led me to believe that both Liam Neeson and Garfield were both still firm in their Christian beliefs, and they were just kind of faking to survive, and so that you know all these other people wouldn't be persecuted on their account. So I thought the epilogue kind of served that purpose too. Like there's the one scene where you know, they're picking out the Christian memorabilia or whatever to make sure it's not, you know, infiltrating the city. Mm-hmm, yeah. And, uh, you know, um, Liam Neeson's character says something about uh, our faith or something like that. And Garfield calls him out and he's like, our faith? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, so I thought that was interesting. And then the way I already mentioned the pray with your eyes open bit that he, the speech that he gives Garfield, like I just got different kind of clues that were given to me that I was like, okay, these guys still believe like all these months or years or whatever later, they still believe, you know, and they're still, uh, you know, like if you, in other words, if you were religious, if you were Christian and if you were strong in those beliefs yourself, then you would connect and go, okay, Jesus knows that they believe, you know, like Jesus is going to have a place for them. Like, they're not going to be held accountable for basically sacrificing for the greater good, which is essentially what happened here, uh, in my opinion. So the epilogue, to answer your question, was a little brisk, <laughs> especially especially considering the pace of the rest of the movie. But I was okay with it because it was kind of a nice bow being wrapped on top. See, I really and i think this is probably what dipped my score into a not recommend versus a recommend for me i mean like i said it's a record if you want to watch a film that's really well crafted and really well acted uh you know it's definitely a watch but i think i think the epilogue falls flat on its face because it takes the movie away from rodriguez it's rodriguez's Mm -hmm. journey it's rodriguez's story the whole time and then it introduces this like dutch missionary or like something like that like way Mm -hmm. late in the in the proceedings who basically just kind of gives it like as like this outsider's account of it instead i would have liked to see like and i see exactly what you're saying like there's those little nuggets of different things but like i would have liked to see if if you want me to if you want me to go along on that journey that he is still devout and you know if if ferrara is still devout and like they're still holding on to like little bits of their faith why why take the movie narratively out of Rodriguez's point of view and just kind of put it like now instead of following along with his journey now instead of walking along in you know taking the steps with him now we're just kind of like way over here just viewing it from afar and like just doing it through this like third parties recounting of the rest of what happens in the movie like that for me i really 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 soured me on like like i said like the epilogue aspect of the movie to where i don't even like for me the movie ends when he renounces his faith like for Mm -hmm. me because because i don't believe for a second even when he renounces his faith that he ever truly 100 percent renounces it and the epilogue just only confirms that 
Like, right. I feel like he was like too devout, like in everything to where like he would have seen the value in stepping on the relief in renouncing his faith to save other people, regardless, like he would have seen like the, the, the sacrifice in that and, and, and the value in that and think that that was worth it. I think, I mean, I don't know, like you said earlier, I mean, I'm not Scorsese, believe me. <laughs> and I didn't write the book, which is one of the greatest books ever, or revered to be one of the greatest books ever from a religious perspective. But I imagine, or in my mind, it's because in that epilogue portion, they wanted to take the POV away because it kind of increased that mystery to where we don't know if he still believes or not. So if he was the one kind of continuing the story and still going through the POV and the narrative, then we're going to see point blank where he stands because it's going to be through his eyes. But when it took that narr- that narrative away from him and gave it to someone else, then it's kind of like gives that ambiguity where it's like we're waiting to see, like we're waiting for that moment. Like, OK, when's this dude going to shut up so we can find out, like, does he still believe <laughs> or did he really you know, buy into whatever this Japanese culture is or whatever? So I think maybe I mean, I don't know, but I think maybe that's why or that's why it worked for me, at least, because it did add that element of kind of mystique to it. Where just for a split second, you were kind of like, I don't know, you know, he's got this nice wife and like they're giving him all these riches and especially from someone that's not religious. Do you know what I mean? Like I could easily be like, okay, well, but if you're deep rooted in that Christianity and in that faith, it would be a lot harder for you to accept that, obviously, because you'd be renouncing, you know, those beliefs so I don't know. I mean, just to kind of retort on what you were saying there. I mean, of course, I'm not entirely sure if that's the reason, but that's the way I kind of looked at it. Mm-hmm. Uh, what about some of the Scorsese-esque scenes in this movie? Um, I want to know what you thought about it. You mentioned them on the cross in the ocean, uh, which was really brutal. Uh, yeah. I mean, that was essentially like a old school waterboarding torture technique that you're just watching. I mean, cause it was like real time, bro. I mean, it was like, I mean, that scene went on forever. That's an effective filmmaker really using the visual space to convey emotion and to convey what's ha- like to convey like the, the, the suffering and the persecution of, of, of mm-hmm. Christians in that period in Japan. I mean, really, I mean, it's, the, that is like masterfully done. I mean, that's just, yep. that's just, that's just a master. That's literally the master at work. There's no other way to describe that. And then my favorite scene comes late in the movie when, uh, the dude gets his head cut off with the Japanese sword. <laughs> I mean, that was that was some Scorsese shit right there. The I horror mean, the guy, guy, ladies and gentlemen, the horror guy. Yeah. All of a sudden, he I saw some like, blood Whoa. spray out. He was like, "Ooh!" I was like, "Holy <laughs> shit, Marty!" This is not the silence I've been you know watching. Marty, you know, Marty can turn it on when he wants. So you know, he can. You know, yeah. he can ratchet up the ratchet up the. The evil or the, the, sure, the violence, the, the violence. blood, the, the the action, whatever he really wants to. And I like that this film doesn't need to revel in it. I, I think mm-hmm. that that's to its benefit. It doesn't need to constantly show you like, you know, it's not like a passion of the Christ kind of thing where it needs to like lay it on, like ladle it on like thick layers of, of, of sauce over the top one right after the other. So you really get the point of how bad they're suffering and how persecuted they are. Uh, I think a few really good effective scenes of it 
work mm-hmm. better in this case. Uh, I think they're. I think. I think. The, I think those scenes are great. Like I said, it's weird for me to talk negatively about this movie because I loved so many different technical aspects about it. I just. I. Just I honest to God, to I. I took. I took nothing away from it. Yeah, you just didn't connect to it. I, no, I, get that. I just. I just didn't connect to it, and that's. And that's the always. That's always the. The worst thing about I. I would rather have a visceral reaction to it where I hated it, like I'm gonna with dumb money next week. Like I'd I'd rather have a visceral hatred of a movie or something like that. So I can I can at least react to it like or whatever. But like this movie I can recognize and understand and respect and and love the hard work and craft that clearly went into this, how personal this was for Scorsese. The 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 mastery of the performances, the dedication of the performances. I mean, Garfield spent like a year like closely mm-hmm. studying like being a Jesuit priest with a, an actual Jesuit priest and you know, like he and Driver and Liam Neeson all lost like a whole bunch of weight for this movie, yep. so they could be really emaciated looking, and like the dedication. Like, I I, I may not ever like do that kind of thing myself in, in terms of like acting and like dedicating myself to that kind of a thing or whatever, but like I could certainly see like their dedication to their craft and like just the absolute like mastery. And I mean, again, we talked last week about this a lot with Under the Silver Lake with Garfield about how like great Garfield just is and how mm-hmm. great he is to watch in literally everything. And, and, and that's the same is true here. He's mm-hmm. easily one of the best parts about the movie. I mean, like I said, I think that uh, Yosuke Kubazoka steals pretty much every scene he's in. I think he's phenomenal, but that doesn't take away from how great and how investing Garfield's performances in this film. I mean, this is, I mean, has Garfield ever made, okay. Not, no, not has he ever made a bad movie because amazing Spider-Man two is a thing, but has he ever given a bad performance? I, and I think we tried to answer that last week. And I think even more so, no, <laughs> no. I mean, this is probably top three of his for me in silence. This I mean, is I'll high. Yeah. You. This is really high. I mean, social network, Hacksaw Ridge, probably this, I mean, honestly, I mean, you know, the guy, it was, like you said, the dedication leading up to it, the preparation for it, uh, how important it probably was for him to pull this off. And he did, in my opinion, I think it's a crime that he at a minimum get nominated for this role. Yeah. Uh, I mean, man, I just, without that dedication and without that passionate connection to the character that he obviously had to pull this off, to pull the material off. And same thing can be said for Scorsese behind the camera, Mm -hmm. but without those two pieces and those two people, literally those two individuals specifically helming this project, I would not have liked this movie. I don't think, I don't think anybody else could have directed this to this level. And I don't think anybody else could have acted that role to that level. Uh, In my opinion, I mean, you know, it's one of those things where like you see an actor portray a character and you go, okay, he's that character. Mm-hmm. And I felt, I felt that way with Rodriguez from Garfield in silence. I really mm-hmm. did like it. It's the reason why I love this movie as much as I did is aside from the direction is in the cinematography is Garfield. I mean, that's really it. And I was along the ride with him just like these followers that he had in japan i was one of those guys just kind of waiting to see you know how he was going to get through uh with his message and i was really bought into it so i think it's probably top three performances of his career in my opinion this movie 
Yeah. I mean, like I said, it's, it's definitely high for me. It's, it's definitely high for me, but I, I wish I'd connected to it more, but like, like I said, I didn't, I didn't hate it. And there's a lot to love and respect about mm-hmm. the, the craft and the craftsmanship of this film. And I, I think that you'll get a lot out of it. Even, even going from my rating, I think you'll get a lot out of it. So we're going to wrap up, but before we do, I'm just curious, Nick, did you, how did you feel about movies like, uh, last temptation of Christ, uh, passion of the Christ? Like, did you like any of those, like the old, like 10 commandments, any of those old religious kind of dramas or they did none of them hit with you? I really tend to steer clear of yeah. pretty much any of that kind of thing. I mean, now every Easter, Rebecca makes me watch Jesus Christ superstar, which is an, uh, an unmitigated masterpiece. There you go. Uh, just because, you know, if, <laughs> if for no other reason musicals. than the guy that's like, I forget what the guy, I forget what the character's name even is, but his voice is like, it's really, I can't even, I can't even mimic the voice. It's like really deep. And like, every time you hear his voice, it's like, how can you, how's that even a voice that comes out of your body? It's so it's so good. <laughs> so, All right. Well, so that good. was our, uh, that was our discussion of silence from 2016. Martin Scorsese and Andrew Garfield tour de force performance there. Nick. Thank you for picking it on the uh, roulette wheel. Honestly, I'm not joking. Like now my Martin Scorsese bingo card is complete and uh, my Garfield filmography is complete. I don't know. I just feel why this movie was super overlooked too. Like I don't remember really any chatter about this movie when it it's came out. It's really niche show. Like yeah. this is like a super niche kind of movie that It's only been like 5 years, not, but yeah. This movie this bombed too at the box office I was yeah. reading. Like this is this is this movie does not have broad appeal. Number 1, it's it's basically a religious drama. But mm-hmm. not only like is it a religious drama, but it's also just it, it it's just it's not super super accessible mm-hmm. at least at least and, and that's just from an outside looking in perspective like that's not even yeah. like there's a lot of good to take away from this movie i see like i saw like a lot of critics named this to like their best of the year lists when it came out like and i can definitely see that i can definitely see where you know your love and appreciation for the craft and you know even maybe your 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 love of the journey of faith and and questioning his faith that rodriguez goes on during this movie how you could really come away like really really high on this movie i so yeah i mean but but looking at it from like the outside in this is as niche as niche gets yo like yeah. this is like this is like tucked away in a small little pocket somewhere that's true that's true. All right. Well, we wrap up every episode, Nick. We head over to Facebook and check the fan page. Guys, you can join up over there as a private group, but there's a link below if you want to join up and give us suggestions every week and ask us some questions. Me and Nick dive into the comment section every week, and we draw out a question to answer that the fans have submitted. Nick, I uh, shot them over to you there, man. You want to go first, or do you want me to pick one out here? So, gee, I'm cheating this week, baby. I'm cheating this week. So, because Lindsay Uh-oh. Dunn asked so many like really good questions that I really didn't want to, I really didn't want to not look at them or at least one of those questions. But I also, I'm, I'm, I'm mm. stealing a second one. Uh, I'm stealing a second one from Destruction in Human Form himself, Jared Taylor asks, what is the best Scorsese film? I'm putting you on the spot right now. <laughs> knee jerk, knee jerk response. No time to think about it. I want to know. What's it? What's it for you, baby? What's the number one? Me? Dude, it's yeah. Goodfellas. Goodfellas is my like number three oh, film of all time, dear bro. God in heaven. Yeah. No, easy Goodfellas. Easy. 
unequivocally one of the worst movies I've ever seen. No, it's one of the best. It's my number three of all no. time. One of the worst movies I've think, ever seen. Uh, that's one. That's one. Put that on a roulette on a roulette wheel if you want to hear me have a visceral reaction to a movie. I think uh, The Departed would probably be my number two. But yeah, Goodfellas for me. The what Departed. About you? I'm gonna say because I have a more personal connection to it and probably more emotional resonance to it i'm also going to say that it would be my number two but mm. uh shutter island weirdly enough yeah that's a good one love shutter island absolutely adore that movie and every time i watch it i think i fall in love with it just a little bit more uh, i don't care if you saw it coming paul it doesn't matter if you saw the <laughs> twist coming like knowing the twist is coming makes the film like this beautiful uh. tragedy like it makes the film 20 times better once you know the twist of Shutter Island. It makes it like 10 times better for me because now rewatching it, I get to, I get to, you know, like uncover and explore all those different layers. Masterfully made, extremely, extremely, extremely well done. Not Goodfellas, please, for the love of God. Love Goodfellas. Anything but my, Goodfellas. Nope, that's my number one. <laughs> all right, um, my turn to pick a question, or you said no, you had another I, one. Right? I, 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 yeah. I got to sneak in here with one of Lindsay's right. questions. So I think, Sorry. I think we kind of touched on one of her questions. During the conversation, she asked, in what ways does the movie position Rodriguez as a Christ figure uh, and as a Judas figure? And I think we kind of answered that a little bit, you know, with I really think that Kichijiro definitely is positioned as a Judas kind of character in the film. And I mean, we see the different for lack of a better turn of phrase here. And I'm so sorry for this, but the crosses that Rodriguez has to bear Mm -hmm. to break him to get him to a point where he would be willing to renounce his faith. Uh, so I think we, I think we touched on that one, but I wanted to specifically answer this question because she asked this question of the three priests, which of them acts most priest like from your understanding of priests. And I think for me, it's, it's Garupe. you know, mm. I, I think, and, and that's maybe more of like my, my take on and my feelings about religion influencing that kind of thing in there because I feel like he's a lot more passionate in, in, in a lot of ways than Rodriguez. Would you agree with that? Or would you disagree with that? Do you, I feel like he's more outwardly passionate, maybe not, maybe not more devout, maybe not more passionate about his faith, but more passionate in his actions. And that's more my experience with it in my understanding of it. I mean, I get what you're saying because he's much more – I mean, he'll be much more vocal throughout the movie too when he like disagrees with something or – and Andrew Garfield's character is much more like, you know, kind of chill, bro. <laughs> you know, and, and Garupe is much more like uh, adamant about his take on whatever it might be – they might be discussing. I don't know. I would say weirdly maybe Ferreira though. Yeah. To answer her question because – it's either Ferreira or Rodriguez, but I mean Ferreira had to. He was he was the first one that did essentially what Rodriguez had to do, right? So he had to make the ultimate sacrifice by renouncing that faith in an effort to save the masses and for the greater good, and had to live that lie, if you will, even longer. Which is that your direct like Christ correlation too? Yeah, because I think it mirrors ultimately a lot Christ of... is crucified to save save mankind. Right. Like you know, that's right. your that's your like really direct kind of overt uh, mm-hmm. overt correlation to Christ there as well. So to answer our question, I might say Ferreira, but um, but I get what you're saying about Garupe too. I just I don't know. I feel like he's a little more bitter 
in a lot of ways, like when decisions are made, like he doesn't want to be underground for, he doesn't think they need to be under there. And yep. he's kind of, he's kind of foolish about that. And, uh, there's a couple other scenes in the movie where he disagrees with, you know, one of the choices that's being made and he'll be really vocal about that and kind of come out and say, and there's even one scene where he's like, I wish I had your patience, you know, to yeah, accept yeah. these things or whatever. So, I mean, I don't, I don't begin to know what it goes into being a priest, but in my mind, I guess because Ferreira kind of mirrors Jesus's story a little bit more, I just kind of, that would probably be my answer. Yeah. And she, I mean, she, she, she asked, like, I mean, it was just a wild coincidence, Lindsay. I mean, we watched Under the Silver Lake last (laughs) week and I just honestly, like I was on a Garfield kick when the, when the roulette wheel landed on me and I was just like, you know what? I know I haven't seen this movie of his. I've seen most of his filmography at this point. And it just, it, it was wonderful that it turned out to be a blind spot for you and it's Scorsese on top of it. So, so this was a tough one for me. So the question I'm going to grab out is the best director actor duos. Uh, there's a question thrown out from Kayla McCoy, patron of the show. I love Kayla. I'm going to actually stick with Marty, Martin Scorsese. I could say De Niro, which would also be a good one, but I'm going to say Leonardo DiCaprio. Yeah. Uh, every movie that he's in with Marty, I freaking love all of them. I mean, I haven't seen Killers of the Flower Moon yet. That comes out next month, but that'll be another one. Wolf of Wall Street. I freaking loved it. We already talked about The Departed. What else? Shutter Island, you mentioned. The Aviator. Yep. Gangs of New York, I loved, with Daniel Day-Lewis. Yeah. Um, he just does a lot of good stuff, and he is always so committed in those roles. Like, like Leo's a great actor. Like, make no mistake, like, I don't care what movie you're talking about or whatever, but when when he's in a Scorsese movie, there's just there's an 11 on that dial that he yeah, turns yeah, yeah. it up to. And he really, really goes there. And, you know, I thought he was good in The Revenant, but I can't believe that's his Oscar. (laughs) With some of these movies that he's been in and some of these performances that he's given. So legit, uh, like that'd be it for me. And I love him. I I love I love Leo so much. He's one of my favorite actors literally of all time. But dear God, why that movie? I know why the best part. The best part of The Revenant is, is it? Is it Lubezki? Is that the cinematographer for that one? Uh, is Lubezki cinematography like it's it's unbelievably beautiful? It's mm-hmm. incredibly incredibly shots. Beautiful movie, but not Leo's best. It's like it's Leo on his hands and knees in a giant bearskin outfit, begging and pleading with the Academy to please give him an Oscar. It's exactly what that's all. That's all it feels like. I feel I feel like Hardy's better in that movie than than Leo is. A lot of politics you know, in that Leo in um. Leo in Revolutionary Road. That's that's Leo's best mm-hmm. performance for me. Still, still. Yeah, that's a good. He's one. so good in that. Uh, me, I'm gonna, I'm gonna. I hate to do this. I hate to do it, but I have to agree with you a hundred percent. It's it's Leo. It's Leo oh, Marty, wow. man. It's okay. Leo and Marty. It's I, and, and 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 that's and that's the Shutter Island of it. That's the Dipwadded of it for mm-hmm. me. And you know, I haven't even seen like all of the Marty and Leo crossovers. Gangs of New York's another one that I've, I definitely absolutely love. Like I've never mm-hmm. seen what Aviator. I've never seen Aviator. That's one of the ones oh, wow. I haven't seen. That's a good but, one. Yeah, like I mean, like 
they, they've done so much great work together. I really think that Scorsese has consistently and continually think, think a great Leo performance is uh, Shutter Island is another one, like another, another really, really, really great one. And, and I, really, I think Scorsese it, pulls greatness out of him every single time. It's like you said, I that agree. dial. I hate that. I just literally just said exactly the same things you said, but you already said it better than like I ever could have. Cause it's all true. It's all right there. Dials at 11, baby. Yeah, I concur. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, yeah, I'm excited for Killers of the Flower Moon too, for that reason. I Can't mean, wait. I've heard I've heard some great things, but I mean, even if I hadn't heard one whisper, I mean, you know, when DiCaprio and Scorsese get together, this is going to be something special. So, uh, I'm really we'll we'll be covering that one on the show at the end of October. I'm looking forward to seeing that one when it finally hits theaters. All right, man, that was it for our discussion on Silence from 2016. Next week on the show nick we're gonna go back to the movies finally we had a couple weeks off where we watched some patron picks etc but we're gonna check out craig gillespie's dumb money starring paul dano the recent biopic that is about the gamestop stock fiasco recent, from 2021 literally like yesterday it's <laughs> still like happening literally yesterday I emphasize, please, if you will, the word dumb in that title, because I can't wait to hate every minute of this movie. Nick has assured me he's going to watch this with an open mind. I already saw it. I already saw it, and uh, I will hold my thoughts until next week. But uh, your rating is lower than a two, isn't it? You're going to give it a one, aren't you? Uh, He's going to give it a one. He's going to give it a one. Was it better than The Room? That's a question that we can think about. Impossible. Impossible. (laughs) Next week. Not even remotely possible. All right, guys. Until we get together next week and talk about dumb money, I want to thank everybody for tuning in. Check the show notes. Follow us everywhere. Do all that stuff. Nick, I'll talk to you next week, man. Get your uh, Put some money in the GameStop stocks and then go see the movie and then get back together. Well, it's not going to do me any good now, is it? (laughs) You never know, man. Oh. My goodness. I can't wait. I'm, I'm really, really excited. If nothing else, I think it'll make a great discussion. I was worried. Yeah. I was worried about this one. And don't you always hate, as, as a movie as, as a movie reviewer, somebody who discusses and talks about movies, it always scares the bejesus out of me. Pun not intended, I guess. Wow. Jesus movie. I see, uh, but I see what like, you did there. It always, it always really just like, I always feel like I'm not smart enough to talk about smart movies intelligently. Nah. I always feel like I'm too dumb and like, people are mm-hmm. going to say i didn't get it or like right whatever like it's, sure. it's always the thing it's always the thing with me and, and and i think we did a good job i think we had a great discussion about it and you know i, I really love that you enjoyed it as much as you did i really i came away with it really really enjoying a lot of aspects of it and yeah i get it yeah, I, I thought it was it. a great discussion too i mean when i go into these talks man it's like what i what i know like i don't know quotes from the bible that were used i don't and he doesn't you know, what I mean? know like, like second grade math folks i so. don't i don't even know what our score we gave this i still haven't decided <laughs> get away from my phone to boot up so i can do the calculator oh my goodness all right man i'll talk to you next week we'll do dumb money i'll see you then i'll see you baby